Welcome, Charlie. Hello. Nick, welcome back. Welcome back. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, you too. This is uh, Laser Discourse. We're mm-hmm. back. We're back in the disc cave. New year, same cave, uh, but a uh, lot more movies to talk about. We've got a so ton. So many more movies. And they're all on Laserdisc. And if you don't know what that means, go back and listen to some previous episodes. But it's a dead technology. It's obsolete. I think it's never coming back. Oh, it's never coming back. It's not like cassette no, no, tapes. No. There, there's nothing to play this on. It's not. It's in this weird nether world between analog and digital. That there's, there's didn't no last long. disc pressing plant like vinyl has, where they, we can actually make new copies of things. No, no, it's, it's in the ground. It's deep, but I, uh, I dug it up. I dug up its grave. <laughs> rob the grave uh, of technology. Yeah, we rob the grave of old technology, and we're here to talk about it. And uh, we watched a movie on Laserdisc. We did. Go figure. That's pretty cool. That's kind of uh, what it's all about. We're going to talk to you about it. I, uh, the hot thing right now is the foreign language, the non-English language film. So hot right Thank now. Thank you, Parasite, uh, oh, which is yes. a, a great film that'll never be on Laserdisc, which hurts my <laughs> heart a little bit, I got to tell you. <laughs> it's it's very uniquely suited for Laserdisc. Though. It would be a great Laserdisc release if we yeah. ever did yeah going you know going back and revising this thing put parasite right at the top of that's the list that's number 1 no no, oh, no okay. that's not no, number 1 not, okay not literally the top of the list but uh it's got to be up there yeah okay It'll be on the you know Criterion Collection eventually the Swanson con- Collection and, yes. and uh, yeah we'd have to get it on disc if possible but it's not <laughs> so we do I do have plenty of uh, foreign language non-English language films we it was tough international to choose films. this Charlie has uh, I think millions but probably more like <laughs> several hundred laser discs uh, at his disposal and gosh darn it a lot of them are not in English yeah we got, I got a good I got a dozen maybe a baker's dozen of, of uh Japanese language, French, I uh, have a couple of Ingmar Bergmans, so we got the Swedish in there. You got the German. I got some German. I got the uh, an Amaldivar, so we got a Spanish language. Um, but uh, we went with one of the classics, at least as far as international filmmakers, Akira Kurosawa and his 1990 movie Dreams. Wow. Which is sometimes called Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. In fact, on the cover here, you can see it says Akira Kurosawa. Apostrophe. Apostrophe S. Dreams, the past, present, and future, the thoughts and images of one man for all men, one man's dreams for every dreamer. Wow. So it's a pretty grandiose guy kind of thinks a lot of his dreams. I don't know. I would like to think he's not the one who wrote that, but you know, he did make the film. My dreams are like all men's dreams. Uh, But (laughs) apparently, so this movie is is eight separate kind of short story vignettes, Mm -hmm. short film type things. Apparently. Uh, that's what I'm led to believe. It wasn't in English, so it's kind of hard to follow. <laughs> Frankly, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, <laughs> but they're all based on his real dreams. Uh, is You're what not I, alone. I don't what think I'm led to believe. anybody knew what was going well, on that's what, uh, well, most of the time. If you've ever had a dream, you know that they don't make no sense. They sure don't. <laughs> There's nothing to gain from them. Uh, a lot of times the insight is, is not from the actual you know events of the dreams, but the the emotion that the they interpretation produce. yeah yeah so there's a lot of that uh-huh. going on in this movie oh there's a lot of that a lot of emotion and and uh not a lot of action in no. most of these but it is uh it's not a sleeper because there's still you know a lot of to keep your attention but mm-hmm. 
it is a slow pace. I mean, as far as plot goes, you're not watching this for plot. You're watching this for visual aesthetic, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You're watching this for emotion because there's a, a, a lot of that. And uh, you're watching it because it's freaking weird. Because <laughs> you, you'll never see anything like it. No. I mean, there's really no other movie like 30 this. years old, still haven't seen anything like it. Totally. Yeah. Um, but if you only know Kurosawa as a guy who directed samurai movies or, you know, things of that nature, probably be kind of a shock to see no samurai fighting in this movie whatsoever. But No, but there is swords. There's some sword play. There's some... Da- like in, there- in the first, <laughs> the first short film here, I'm just going to call them all short films. Sure. The first one um, is uh, the only dialogue we get is this mother telling her young son, uh, "Don't you know? Don't go out into the forest because that's where the foxes have their wedding in the rain." Exactly, and yeah. and he's like all upset, like he wanted to go see that. It's, oh man, <laughs> oh, now I want to go see it. But what does he do? He goes out there. He goes out there. Yeah. Sunshine, uh, when it's raining and sunny out, uh, apparently that's when the fox is out in the woods. The spirits do their thing. So, yeah, he crawls out there. It's in the middle of the redwoods, it kind of looks like. and uh, Endor. I believe you called it Endor. I called it Endor. I said, yeah. I said, this is a Star Wars story, as you know. Very popular (laughs) right now, having a Star Wars uh, spin-off. And the fox's wedding. So, uh, yeah, it was like the the Mandalorian, but with foxes. Exactly like it. Baby Yoda not present, but no. a lot of foxes. This is, pre, this is a pre-prequel. It is. It is. <laughs> it's it's pre uh, it's pre you know special edition of the original trilogy. Uh-huh. So, oh yeah, man, absolutely. But uh, actually, Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic does get involved in this movie eventually. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that later. Okay. Okay. So this first one though. First one though, uh, kind of this very kind of uh, traditional looking folklore kind of look. We've got these uh, almost kabuki type performers in the mm-hmm, woods mm-hmm. doing a very slow procession a, a wedding procession and there's drums there's drums there's like a weird high-pitched flute that you always hear in, in japanese it's music some kind of bagpipey thing and uh the performers are moving at half speed which i think has just got to be the toughest thing to do oh man and for a long the parading time. oh we this, get a solid this five goes minutes. on for five to ten minutes of just them dancing no explanations mm-hmm just a complete visual and audio show. Yeah. And it's lovely to look at. It's very artistic. The co- they, they've it's got these cool. kind of fox masks on, the costuming. Yeah, like I said, mm-hmm. the colors are popping on that laser disc. Really uncompressed. But Although the uncompressed sound, <laughs> I could have used some compression on the sound. It was all over the place. Well, this is a, yeah, this release I think in particular had, had the Dolby uh, surround sound going. So when you just have like the one sound bar, sometimes that really makes it for like, the it loud is, is really loud, and this, the quiet is really quiet. I had yeah. to turn it down. I had to turn it up. Oh, what a pain in the butt. Uh, <laughs> I had to move my hand onto the remote control. Ugh. You know, it's not just Who flipping a disc. That? You know, laser discs are really intensive as far as they part, are. You know, viewer participation. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. You got to stay on top of it. But So the kid, uh, he gets caught watching the foxes. This is what I love. He and gets caught. He does. This foxes they look see right them, at him. And they don't like, apparently that's a bad thing. Foxes do not want to be looked at. No. Because he runs away and the mom gives him the bad news that, uh, oh, those foxes are angry. They, uh, they came to see her. Yeah. And they, they left something for him. They left him a sword for which he is supposed to use to kill himself. Yeah. If you're familiar with the Japanese uh, tradition of, you know, Harry Carry, I think they call Harry it. Uh, yeah, they give him the little Harry Carry blade, and uh, he's supposed to <laughs> commit seppuku, basically. He's just looking this at like it like eight year old kid. What? I don't, what? 
Oh, and then he, he opens it up and sees it's a real blade, puts it away, and he's like, and he's just looking in disbelief. And his mom goes, "Well, you you better go apologize mm-hmm. because the, you know this is the only way you're gonna have, be able to survive. I can't let you back in the house until you apologize to them." And they don't always accept apologies, no. by the way. And she closes the door, and that's you're on your own, and that's it. That's I, it for him. I love how there's zero sympathy for this kid. You know the mom's not the mom's not crying or or uh, you know oh why did you do it you know she's like you blew it you <laughs> blew like, it I'm I'm not even disappointed like this is just Look, stupid you yeah you, now everybody knows not to go go get into your comeuppance the, the forest when it's raining and sunny and watch the foxes have a wedding procession that's not what you do and you did it anyway mm-hmm. so you got to go say you're sorry and there's a lot of pressure on this kid. There's a lot. To say he's sorry correctly. Yeah. Because he going to die otherwise. Yeah. But he goes <laughs> searching for them, and apparently they live under the rainbow. Mm. Come on. Come on, guys. You can feel my eye roll here. Now, part of this, part of that's where I go, did he really dream that? <laughs> 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 did you really dream that, Akira? Um, yeah, and then they're under a rainbow. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Like the tricks rabbit? What are you talking about? Or the lucky charms, you know? <laughs> Sounds like maybe you saw some commercials. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I love how the, the dream, this particular, I guess I'll call them dreams. You call them short films. This dream ends All right. with the kid in a lovely field. Again, color, beautiful. Colors are popping. Looks like a Monet or something. Uh, it's got the big rainbow in the background. And, yeah, that's where it ends. He's he's on his way. We don't know what happens to yeah. this kid. And I, I was upset. I was like, I want to watch that movie now. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the film I want to keep watching. And it, it didn't continue. That feeling of, I want to keep watching this film. That was, I think, the only time I thought that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Here. Well, you've, you've probably had dreams like that where you wake up too soon and you're like, oh, I was just about to get back to the foxes. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> you're right. I think that's part of the point. Yeah, sure. that was a good one. But uh, we follow that up with another kind of childhood dream called The Peach Orchard. Oh, I love that one. With too. another kid. This one, yeah, this one's kind of cool. Um, the kid starts out in a room with some dolls and he... He thinks a, a girl has gone missing, so he runs out to the this orchard that used to be there, but it's mm-hmm. been all cut down. And then a, kind of another, like, now this one is like traditional kabuki, real, you know, the white face paint and mm-hmm. the outlandish costumes. Uh, the spirits of the trees come to talk to this kid. Mm-hmm. Another, And they're all color-coordinated, so they look like... Uh, uh, you know, uh, an orchard would mm-hmm. be there, but it's with people doing coordinated movements. And it's very, very cool. Yeah, they do this dance that, again, takes about five, ten minutes, it feels like. But yeah, just a very, like, uh, very just immersive, the, you know, the, there's the big kind of wide camera shot that gets everyone together. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. go in close and you're, and you're kind of panning back and forth and just watching all the movements. And then back to the wide shot so you see it all together. So, yeah, it turns into this kind of fluid, uh, natural-looking uh I guess they're trying to, yeah, you know, recreate a, a an orchard in bloom is, is the idea. Yeah, in the wind. Or this crying kid who's like, I'm crying. I'm sad that they cut down the orchard. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we'll, so we'll dance. So emotional. We'll the dance kid was for you. so emotional. Yeah, that kid was emotional. Yeah. And he just like watched the trees because uh, they did turn back into trees. They turned back Spoiler into trees uh, for a bit. And the my favorite part of this whole dream is the kid's like face when he's examining all the trees. 
there's this part where he kind of he he looks over and you see him just kind of bite his lip in that like mm, yeah there's that tree he's like running the gamut of emotions <laughs> all of them within like seconds of each other yeah. like satisfaction contemplation a little bit misty eyed there's there's some reverence in there mm-hmm. i i felt a little nostalgia you know he's he's just washing over him like a big bucket of paint right you're different just, colors you're just seeing yeah his little eyebrows furrow and mm-hmm. yeah uh that's a great yeah they just hold on that kid it's like keep going keep going <laughs> more more faces yeah. more faces <laughs> but uh that was a nice one another very it, it was weird it, it, it was another like i think what we're gonna find out is this kind of arc if there's an if there's kind of an overall arc it's that we start with the young kids we go you know the dreams become that of an older man the older or the, the further along we go so Another kid dream, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of uh, whim, a little bit of that whimsicalness of, of dancing tree spirits, mm-hmm. you know, believing in that kind of a thing, the way you would believe in a fox getting right. married. Right, the magical realism, you know, yada the yada. Way you did, the way that we grew up thinking about Easter bunnies and uh, tooth fairies. Did you ever get a tooth fairy thing? Yeah, I was a, I was a little bit afraid of the Easter bunny, though, because oh, yeah? the idea of a sentient rabbit who... Like for a six some foot reason, tall sentient rabbit live, yeah. le- you know, leaves eggs. Why? Why? Whose eggs are these? Where did you get them? I don't want. I don't want to know. But I, I kind of want to know. And then you think about, no, I just, it wasn't for me. It's a dumb holiday. It is. A it's d- stupid. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another excuse to eat candy. You know. It's totally. But yeah. why? Yeah. It's like they picked it out of a hat. Uh, like, all right, uh, rabbit. All right, what's the next one? Well, how do good. we get the I like, candy? I like hey. how you picked that rabbit hey, out of the hat. Hey, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one uh, is not as fun and childlike. We had a, a couple of rough ones hit back to back here. Yeah, so the next one is the blizzard. Mm-hmm. And it is um, aptly named. It's snowy. This it is, is a snowy, snowy. dream. Uh, mountain men climbing up on a mountain in the middle of a blizzard. Um that's the dream. That's the <laughs> whole dream. And they're, they they want to die, and they're going to rest just for a second. They're all giving up. Yeah. And, uh, and he says, no, no, no. Our, our, uh, you know, do you, we're mountain men. You know, we can, we hey, can do this. this is what we do. Our camp is just right over there, I promise you, but they can't see because it's snowing, and they think it's nighttime because it's so dark because the snow, but it's in the morning. And so they're freaking out. Everybody just kind of lays down for a mm-hmm. second. And then, uh, well, and then we see our our narrator he's being woken by a beautiful woman mm. yeah yes she's got the the long flowing dark hair and she's putting moss on him or some, some kind of magic blanket some kind of uh, blanket with like a bunch of tinsel in it and uh <laughs> merry christmas blankets and she's telling him uh things that just don't make any sense none the snow is warm ice is hot come on get out of here with that uh-uh, uh-uh. only in dreams right am i yes. right folks oh god but uh, yeah, the the this one is kind of cool because it is so slow. It's in the so beginning. It's dreary. like it's like five minutes without any dialogue of them just taking a step and breathing and, and step just the noise and breathing. Is... So you it really yeah, it kind of sinks you in. And then by the we're gonna keep yeah, I'll just keep talking over that and. Uh, <laughs> just doing sound effects now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, when it, when it kind of takes the turn and you see this, uh, what you have to assume is a spirit or, or some sort of right. goddess, maybe some something like that. Yeah, yeah. Carrying over him, then yeah, all that sound cuts away, and you get the 
I think it's just a voice kind of yeah, singing. Yeah, it's a cool studio-affected voice. So there's this kind of cool, like, there's this paranoia part in the beginning where, yeah, no one kind of trusts each, each other. Of no one knows what's going on. Right. So I like that little bit. And then him having this delusion of uh, this woman caring for him. And then the, the, the twist, the reveal. The twist turns out. Guess that, what? That lady ain't a lady after all. <laughs> it was a demon. Uh, snow is cold. Yeah, <laughs> ice was, is cold. It was. I took it as it was the mountain trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. That's because that was he, what he was talking about. Trying to convince him to just lay down and yeah, die. no snow is warm. That's good. You like it. It's great. You like the snow. Cover yourself in more snow. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, you know they break out and he thinks they're dead and. He finds the camp, and the sun is shining, and he goes, oh, the camp. And then magically, they all wake up, and they all run to the camp. And I'm like, they were dead. They were just dead. There's no... I have so many questions about no, this No, this segment. one didn't really wrap it up well for me. Like, number one, what are they even doing up there? They're just mountain men going from one camp to mountain another? Mountain men do mountain things. I guess, all right? I, I guess oh, come so. Come on. I don't know, man. Like, I don't go on mountains. I am not a mountain man, so... And I'll tell you why. The, oh. the mountain spirit trying to kill you... Top of the list. Top of, of the reasons list. why I avoid mountains. The uh, another reason is um, I don't I don't like them. <laughs> I just don't like them. You know, <laughs> you got to go around them. They're always going the old fashioned. But uh, flat Earth society, here I come. I guess <laughs> I don't want any of this terrain. Oh Lord, BS. Yeah, it's actually it's just, yeah it's it's all an illusion. That's what the flat Earth people are. They just don't like mountains and stuff, right? Like, as far as I know, they don't believe in any change of elevation, right? Right. It's all sea level. It's completely. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's a sphere, but it dev- it never goes up or down. It's just flat. Yeah. It's a perfectly smooth. No, it's not a sphere. If you're a flat Earth guy, you're thinking we're on a oh, disc, like a laser disc. Oh, so the world <laughs> is a laser disc. The I world. Can, you know what? I thought uh, you know for what? a second I was like, these guys are idiots, but now I get it. The world is a laser I disc. Get it. Spinning round and round. <laughs> got to flip the disc. I got no other thing to say. No, about that's, that. were, uh, that's, <laughs> it. that's all there is to it. Uh, but yeah, that one was that one is just very, uh, that one's very muted colors. It's very dark. It's hard to see anything in that segment. Right. So I was glad when it was over. I wanted, I mean, did they do a good job? I wanted to fall asleep during that one too. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, it gives you that. Kill me. Gives Great. you that feeling. <laughs> Maybe snow is warm. I'm willing to find out. <laughs> I like it. But that takes us to the first of our turning points. Oh yeah. For today. The turning point brought to you by Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goes. Ooh, we have a sponsor. No. No, we don't. <laughs> no. We don't. I don't think legally I just, we could say that. I I am su- I'm very pleasantly surprised with how not sour the Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goes is. Oh, it's quite delicious. It's tasty. It's like uh drinking a soda that makes you feel funny. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, this was our flip the disc moment. Usually we have to interrupt a scene or even a line of dialogue when we flip the disc because the time constraints on the on the disc. But with these segments, they, they were able to perfectly parse it out. So we took a break, three segments in. We got five to go. That's right, five to go. And then we come back to the tunnel. Hey, Another <laughs> uplifting, jolly, fun, hey. good time. This is the segment where I start to get worried about Akira Kurosawa. A little bit. A little bit. It <laughs> opens with a, state. a dog barking at a soldier outside of a tunnel. And the dog, I swear, has like explosives strapped to him. Yeah. Which is just, I hate seeing that, it's a first bad, of all. It's a bad omen. It's a bad, bad sign. Yeah, it's a bad scene this guy's in. And yeah, it takes him a while to walk through this tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then when he does, uh, he sees the ghost of a soldier come out after him and start talking to him. But it's the so the soldier 
is he's just blue, not like blue man group blue, but like like zombie blue. Right. I don't know how else to describe it. They you, did a good job of that. It reminded me of watching like those late nineties uh, J horror, whatever you want to call them, movies like The mm. Ring, The Grudge, you yeah. know, the original The Grudge with the little kid who's all pale with the dark eyes yeah. and stuff. It also is that kind of like Japanese ghost. It kind of looked like the zombie emoji. Yeah, definitely. A so emoji. they, I mean, I see where they got that from. It's it's kind of like uh, actually, it also made me think of uh, Beetlejuice a little like, bit, like sure. that kind of a yeah. makeup effect for a dead mm-hmm. person that you would get in a Tim Burton movie. But still, very much feels like they're alive, but they are in fact dead. Yeah, in mm-hmm. fact, the soldier thinks he's alive. He doesn't yeah. know he's dead, mm-hmm. or he's like, "Wait, I'm dead. That's that's whack. That doesn't make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's whack, Sarge. That's w- Yo, bro." <laughs> I can't be dead. I just ate some food at my mom's house, <laughs> sir. But uh, yeah, sir, that's whack, sir. Sir, sir this is whack, sir. Try to give me twenty, dead guy. Now the now the 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 main uh, character in this short film, uh, I'm still gonna say film. Uh, it's fine is, with me. He knows this particular soldier is dead because he held him in his arms as the soldier died, and uh, and he regrets to inform him as much. And, uh, you know, what what happens? Well, he just turns around, the soldier walks through the tunnel, and then he's done. And that's yeah. it. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, the, the moment where he's like, so you got to you gotta go. You got to leave now because you're dead. You're, you're a dead soldier. You got to get out of here. And he's like, all right. Uh, all right, bye. He just goes in the tunnel. <laughs> Tur- turns around and then kind of sl- yeah, s- sulks off. Yeah. Just, uh. But just when you think he was done. Just when you think you're done no. with the tunnel. His whole infantry comes in and they have some news for him. You know what? We don't think we're dead either. But he knows they're dead because he ordered them all to go to their death. It's a pretty creepy scene. Yeah. Now you get about uh, 50 of these soldiers come mm-hmm. out of the marching in come rank. out of the tunnel. And they kind of fade into the darkness in the back. You know, there's like some guys you can just barely see in the background there, which was kind of cool, kind of a cool effect. But yeah, then he has to kind of basically do the same spiel he gave to the one soldier, but now to 50 soldiers of like, you are dead. Go away. Believe me, (laughs) I made it happen. I know I'm the asshole. I wish I could be dead too. I want to be dead. But here I am living. (laughs) Got to go through this tunnel. You guys get out of here. So he orders them. I had thought a nice touch was his... When he yelled his orders, you could hear the echo mm. in the tunnel, like very, very faint. And it, again, the sound quality, uh, you know, was a little better. Uh, I would have heard it more, but we'll we'll eventually install the the Dolby surround. I guess our in, laser disc system is not yet complete. <laughs> there can always be improvements. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, but uh, yeah, that was the tunnel. That one was another just whew. Oh boy, rough, rough. So you know? after that, it's like we need some jollity. We need a, yeah, we need to brighten things up a little bit. Literally brighten things up. Thank you, Charlie. You got it. Uh, with uh, yeah, the uh, the fifth segment, the fifth dream, crows, mm. which is a uh, uh, this one was cool. This one is probably the one that everyone knows from this movie because it's about a guy who goes into Vincent Van Gogh paintings, mm. and so it's it's a very bright, colorful. A lot of wheat fields, uh, red roofs on the on the barns. I, I love the whole aesthetic of this segment. It's beautiful. It is so bright and so vivid, and the colors just, especially on laserdisc. I'm not making this up. 
that's one of the few good things about laser discs <laughs> is that the colors are vivid and the sound is uncompressed, which usually is a good thing, but in this case, it was just too much. Right. Well, this one, um, this is the segment that ILM worked on, the industrial light magic, ah. because of the special effects of the painting of, uh, the, the, basically the effect of the guy walking through the paintings. Which was really, really. Really cool. Yeah. So it was a, it was an actual painting. But he walked through like there were layers, mm-hmm. like a Photoshop layer. Yeah, he goes but behind this is the tree. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, you know? pretty so cool. It was yeah. It was... And you see his shadow on some of the spots of the painting when he walks by. Right. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, but that's where we get uh, the only part. Oh, actually, so it's funny because this segment starts in French. We've been doing Japanese all along. Mm-hmm. Starts in French, and then we get a little bit of English mm-hmm. uh, when we meet our Vincent Van Gogh, who is. That's going to be this guy segment. Uh, who's that guy? It's a thing we do every episode where we talk about someone in the movie. This time... It is. That guy is none other than Martin Scorsese. The the bushy eyebrow himself. The <laughs> old eyebrows, they call him. Uh, yeah, the director acting in a film and, that he uh, did not direct. What? How did this come to be? Do you know how this happened? Because this was... Like one of the only actors teased on the 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 packaging here, right? Uh, there's a few stories. The one story um, on you know on the trivia says that Kurosawa just had him in mind for that role because he had you know met him, known him years prior. But Scorsese, not not an actor, right? He didn't uh, really do acting before he really made it into directing. I mean, he uh, he appeared. In his own movies a few times, he was in Taxi Driver for a small part. I'm going to see on his filmography, you know, because as, you know, a producer or a director, obviously he's got hundreds of titles. Um, but but I'll, not, see, I'll see if he's got any an acting actor, titles. I don't know. I knew he was uh, in his own films, but I had not seen his name. And he had a fairly prominent role in this one, you know. Um, he's Van Gogh. He's got 34 credits uh, as an actor. It's not that much for so, and then but some of them are like Jimmy Kimmel long. Live, you know, him as a photographer and Hugo, you know, mostly these are little short in his like, movies, walk-ons, yeah. Yeah. if nothing else. He does a voice in Shark Tale in two thousand and four, the animated movie about sharks. Oh, uh, so there you go. But uh, yeah, every <laughs> somebody somebody was owed a favor. <laughs> yeah, every every other thing is is uh, yeah either his own movie or or some kind of small uncredited thing so for him yeah to be van gogh in this one pretty cool and he's got the he's got the right kind of passion and fervor for that role and if you ever hear him talk about movies or you know film Mm -hmm. cinema he's just got that same kind of passion of just that drive that obsession Mm -hmm. over it so he was a pretty good van gogh i liked him yeah he was not he was uh he was convincingly not scorsese yeah, and it was kind of a they they give him the big red like beard. They did a good job with the uh, the, the, the makeup, makeup with yeah. the big eyebrows, and he's got the he's got the bandage around his head for the you know the cut off ear. Yeah, what did he say? Uh, he said, "Oh, the it looks like you're hurt there." He says something like, uh, uh, "I used to uh, oh, doing, doing a self portrait." Yeah, yeah, couldn't get the ear right, so I so cut, cut it, it off. off. Yeah, there's you know that's one of those things. I don't know if we're ever going to know why or if he actually did cut off that ear. I feel like that's such a myth. Like that could. I mean, I, that could be a thing that never happened. I think that happened. Okay, I feel like it did. Seems like something that maybe got like blown out of proportion. You know, uh, what like he nicked like, like he nicked shaving. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to pierce his own ear and, and it didn't work like, out. Oh, he's look like, at this weirdo uh, trying to cut off his ear. Yeah, he's like, oh, I got a really bad earache. Did you hear he cut off his ear? 
<laughs> That's how it could Paws go. ear. Is, is whatever the French word is for, for ear. Uh, anyways. So that brings us actually to the second That's the second turning, turning point. point. We're Number already a whole disc in. Deuce. Uh, which is great because at this point, I am just have been riding a whirlwind of emotion and I needed a break. The ups and the downs and. Yeah. Wow. Because, yeah, because it, these, again, these stories seem unconnected on the surface, but mm-hmm. there is something happening where you're seeing these connections and you start seeing the same, seemingly the same actor as kind of the narrator in each story. I think there are a lot of the same actors um, playing different parts. Yes. I, I mean, obviously, this is supposed to be Kurosawa himself in these dreams, experiencing mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. things, if, in my opinion. So we start seeing this, yeah, this kind of anti-war message. Uh, this this communal you know communing with nature uh, and message and then mm-hmm. this last this last third of the movie really hits you over the head with kind of the message of the of the movie yeah so uh, it, it opens uh, this is called Mount Fuji in red this film uh, it opens with a volcano erupting uh, while a nuclear plant is exploding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the vol- the you know, Mount Fuji is just glowing red and really cool visual effects, different layers and stuff like that, that, um, you know, must have been fun to work on. Yeah. This one was kind of a shock to the system because, yeah, it opens just like bam, bam, bam. So loud. So loud. Uh, just explosions, explosions everywhere, on one on top of the other. And, yeah, everyone fleeing. It's it's like the end of the world just that's where we that's where we open. And mm-hmm. that 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 must be a terrible dream to have. I oh, so bad. I don't really ever have... I mean, I was kind of thinking, like, do I ever dream, have dreams like that? Um, I never really do. Like, not not like this. Not, not like the end, end of the, the world. world. No. Yeah. No. Everyone just jumping into the ocean, basically, to escape. Yeah. Um, thankfully, this is probably the shortest segment of the whole of the whole movie. It was... Yeah. Because it is just a downer. Well, I like that it goes from all these violent explosions, super loud, you know, shaking the the house kind of loud explosions to completely drops out. And the only thing that you hear in our case is the whir of the laser disc purring <laughs> gently, uh, you know, showing us the, the yeah. aftermath, these three people stranded uh, just outside of different colors of toxic gas. Yeah, this is great. They have, there's a guy who's like, see that green one? That'll give you leukemia. See the blue one? That one's going to give you brain cancer. That yellow one? That's going to mess you up in a whole other way. You don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he jumps off the cliff. And then he's dead. Yeah. yeah. But this one is very much like man's arrogance. You have this narrator really spelling it out. Mm-hmm. Just like, we should never have done this. Mm-hmm. We've gone against nature, and this is our comeuppance. And right. Man, if, if my dreams were that preachy to me, I'd be like, no, thanks. Come we're on, good. dream. Like, give me a Lay little, off. You know. Let yeah. me make my own decisions, right? <laughs> it's the safest form of power we know. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they they that's it, man. It's just it's just this giant explosion, and it ends with this guy trying to like keep the gases away from him. And, and then the gas, the, most the winds change, the gases attempt. come to him, and he's waving his jacket. Yeah, and uh, that's it, and it ends. Well, I love how you said that about the player. Yeah, because this player is starting to get pretty loud. I've got three players. Uh, 
This one is starting to. This is your real, travel player. This is starting you brought to brought this hum. over here today. Yes, I did. Yeah, this yeah. is the one. This is my primary player, but it is starting to hum a little bit. And I wonder if I gotta <laughs> got a little hum. <laughs> clean out, clean out the uh, the vents or something here. Yeah, I, I'm very wary to like open them up. Oh, I know. Once you once I am you not, start tinkering, I am not a tinkerer no. as far as electronics and so I don't I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna pretend that I'm like oh yeah the gear shifter. Just get some some <laughs> canned air and a vacuum. Yeah, you know. Just but yeah. Psh, psh, in the quietest moments, yeah, you definitely hear it just being like. It's pretty good. It's, I, it I don't know, know what's louder: the laserdisc machine or Herman the yeah. the pug. People might be thinking, mascot. yeah, the laserdisc might have been on this entire episode. No, that was a dog. That's, That's just a dog. a dog snoring in the corner, about ten feet from us. He's awake too. <laughs> he's still snoring. He's snoring, but he's, he's awake. So lazy. What's up with that dog? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Herman. <laughs> now he's giving us the stink. Now he's like, I know All you're right. talking about me. Back to LaserDisc. Back to the disc. So, yeah, Mount Fuji in red, the end of the world. We still got two more segments to go. Wow. So the world has ended. <laughs> the, world's, the world is a hockey puck at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Cinders. Flat, and, uh, like it should be. We get the next, yeah, the, the second to last one is the Weeping Demon. Oh, my God. Which this one to me is the low point. Yeah. Of the movie. Yeah. I this did not. one is like, all right, let's wrap it up here. My, Demon. my least favorite one. This guy, this is basically the same guy again, now just wandering through the, the wasteland of a post nuclear, you know, holocaust. Mm-hmm. So it really picks up where the last dream left off. It feels like it does. Which it's they never explicitly said, but it feels like they they never really, like, yeah, it never really had that vibe up until now where it's like, oh, well, this is just the same. You know the same dream. Yeah, maybe like you woke up, you went back to sleep, you're like shit. I'm still in the yeah the, the fallout dream. Right, right. Um, but yeah, this guy meets up, up with an old guy who might be a mutant, might be a demon, might be a demon. Everything's mutated. There's Just giant dandelions, huge like six foot tall dandelions, which is kind of cool. There's a bit of an Alice in Wonderland thing going on. Yeah, there. it's neat. Um, the guy's talking about all the mutations and the hairy fish. That was my favorite. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was like, I I think I want to. Make a band called the Hairy Fish. <laughs> One eyed birds and hairy fish. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't. How does that work? How do you get hair on a fish? Let's find out. So, uh, but yeah, that one is just a lot of gnashing of teeth. Uh, just a bunch of these people like with mutations, just writhing in agony for like three minutes. Yeah, just like, all right, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's the. But that's his whole mo here is he'll give you whatever the the most emotional part is in one long shot mm-hmm. for a long time you know whether really that's holds. a beautiful like a uh, you know meadow with a rainbow over it or a, a freezing ice storm on a mountain or or know, just the black tunnel i mean that one shot in the tunnel the tunnel they just hold on the guy staring yeah. into a black tunnel for like three minutes yeah and it feels Pretty. like an eternity because yeah, in movie time, which it dreams feels can, like it is. yeah, which maybe that makes sense as far as dreams feeling like you know an eight-hour experience, but it's ten seconds or whatever. Right? Yeah, because you really have no concept of time in a dream. Yeah, you know, I think that's much a, like this movie. Another point there. <laughs> point for Charlie. I well, a point for Akira Kurosawa, and you know, obviously from Japan, uh, the nuclear stuff is very, very personal to them. And as well, it should be, and somewhat he was prophetic, al- he you know? was alive in that time, uh, unfortunately. And this movie's actually co. There's a um, uncredited uh, kind of second director, uh, Ishiro 
Honda, who uh, directed the original Godzilla movie, was involved oh, in this ooh. movie. So he apparently directed a few segments, uncredited, or, or you know, helped. Mm-hmm. And he was a consultant as far as uh, the artistic direction. How do you depict nuclear fallout? Well, let's get the Godzilla director in here. Yeah, if, if he's the man. I mean, that is, yeah, giant thunder lizard uh, mm-hmm. destroying Tokyo. That's yeah. that's about as good as a metaphor for yeah. the, the destructive power of the A bomb that you're going to get. And mm-hmm. and Godzilla is, uh, you know, obviously. Uh, I th- I mean, he didn't just do that first one. He directed a dozen of those Godzilla movies. So he's the man as far as as that went. I think he passed away early 2000s or something. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so obviously there's that influence. Um, but just dark stuff. I can imagine what living through that would be like in the dreams that you would have. You know, well, surviving it, a, a yeah, terrible it, time it, in, in your country. This is any indication. Period, it's you know? not fun. And those are definitely like, you know, the, the tunnel. They're very, those are definitely like World War II soldiers. You know, oh, yeah. There's a lot oh, of yeah. post-war, even though this is 1990. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff is probably, was still as raw then as it was 45 yeah. years before. So it's, I get it, but man, it's, it's, the movie starts to get to be kind of a bummer. And then we open up from that weeping demon film into the village of the waterfalls or water mills. The water mills. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, this was a nice, uh, ending. This was the, this was another, this brought it back to a peaceful place. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, the same guy again walking through. He's got that same kind of fisherman's cap on. Mm-hmm. That's how we know it's the same character. <laughs> Apparently, I, I would imagine that was like a Kira Kurosawa's look. Maybe he You know, was khaki pants, the... white, you know, yeah. sailor cap. Not, uh-huh. what, what do you call this? Not a sailor cap, but yeah, it's just kind of like that fisherman's. Like a bucket hat? Something like that, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he uh, this character wanders into a, a village that's all these water mills. Very peaceful, mm-hmm. but very nice, and kind of remind that one reminded me a lot of like a Studio Ghibli look. Yeah, I was I was going to say that film. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it had that feel. So um, whether that's you know intentional or not, um, had that very same kind of just peaceful. Yeah, that that peaceful fantasy that you get in a Ghibli in a Miyazaki movie. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the dog snoring, but I'm curious. I'll listen he's, back. He's like louder than me in my headphones. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, this guy wanders in and he starts talking to an old man who's working a wheel. Uh, that old guy was in uh, Ron, uh-huh. the big the big '80s kind okay. of samurai movie that that Kurosawa did. Um, so that actor, yeah, he's he was great. And he's talking about living on the land and how great it is and how they don't have electricity and they don't need it and all this stuff. And, and then he hears a procession and he goes, "Oh, it's a nice happy funeral," mm-hmm. which I loved that idea. He's like, "Oh, we see, you know they." We celebrate their life on this day, and you know, luckily, a lot of us die old, so we've got a lot to celebrate. So, you know, exactly, yeah. The, this one is very much all about, yeah, connecting to nature, um, not living off the land or whatever, but 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 just living in the moment. There's mm-hmm. so much of the living in the moment uh, in this the the idea of taking things slow. That uh, yeah, it's it's a nice way to kind of ease off all the dark stuff that's been going on. Yeah. And to kind of have that moment of, of like, not levity, but of thinking, you know, uh, what is it? The, the thing he says, you know, people think living is hard, but it's exciting. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's uh, it's worth all this, all this tough stuff that we go through. Right. 
to have these moments where you can be with the ones you love and thank people for their lives and, and enjoy the the lives of others. Good stuff. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. And he's Heady like, stuff. Uh, uh, I even like the point that he makes, you know, he's 103 and that feels like a good, a good age to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that might've been Kurosawa saying, yeah. So when I'm 103, I feel like then I'll be done. <laughs> but until then, I'm still going to do stuff. Because yeah. how old, you know, how old was he when he made this? Well, uh, yeah. He was already an accomplished director and filmmaker at this point. So He was born in 1910. So he, yeah. was, he was 80 when he made this movie. Yeah, when this came out, he was 80, right? Uh, and he died in 98, 1998, at the age of 88. So, hmm. um, and his filmography, you know, I, it, it continued even... Uh, you know, stuff he wrote has still been produced, you know, after his death. And uh, I'm just trying to see if he has like a writer or a director credit, like what his last director one was. 93, it looks like, was the last time he directed a movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, he had made Ron in 85. He had made, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is, is one of the all-time, one of the all-time great directors. Yeah. Basically everybody from Scorsese to George Lucas, to Spielberg. I mean, they all credit him as a huge influence. Seven Samurai is basically, you know, the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, stuff like the Hidden Fortress, a lot of that got taken and used in Star Wars and, and all that stuff. So he is a very, yeah, was a very prolific, uh, very influential, inspirational yeah. filmmaker. So, um, yeah. And he had some weird dreams. <laughs> well, I flipped it. I flipped the disc just to see, or I wanted to flip the disc just to see if there was anything on the other side, like a an explanation of some sort or special features. Yeah, not this is not the Criterion release on Laserdisc that we have, but this was just the the widescreen edition uh, of yeah. the Warner Home Video release. This was actually produced by Warner Brothers. Uh, Kurosawa couldn't get any financing in Japan for this movie. So uh, I wonder why. So he went it's pretty I, critical of all of the nuclear power stuff. You know, yeah, it's uh yeah, it's pretty direct and and for whatever reason he couldn't yeah, he couldn't get the money to do it there, so I think it was someone like Spielberg or something brought him over to Warner Brothers and they produced it. So mm-hmm. Very strange. I mean, you know, very kind of a unique film just even the way it's made, the way it handles its subjects. It and, has a lot of uh uh Close zooms from a very far perspective. Yeah, it gave it almost a home movie, a very intimate feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I know what you mean. Especially the scene with the peach orchard where the, mm-hmm. the dancers are dancing. You can definitely tell it is zoomed. It was away in the first one too. Yeah, and so there's a little bit of that like, that like movement. You know, yeah, when, when the little, camera's panning back and forth, there's just that bit. little, and it looks like you're looking, kind you're of watching something happen for that from far away. Mm-hmm. And especially in that first one with the. Uh, the fox wedding. It was like I I'm seeing something that they don't know I'm seeing. Maybe I'm not supposed to be seeing it. Mm. I think that really helped, you know, portray the sense of feeling that that kid was probably going through. And just yeah, maybe that sense of voyeurism that you will sometimes get in a dream where you're somewhere you're not supposed to be, mm-hmm. looking in on something that yeah. Do you think this was at all autobiographical on Kurosawa's part? Like maybe he as a child did see something that really, you know, he knows he wasn't supposed to see, or, and and then, you know, and then he uh, he really did have a connection to some sort of peach blossoms or something like that 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 was cut down at his his house, or 
Maybe was he in the military? I don't know. You know, did he really climb mountains or have an experience like that? You know, did he, in fact, meet a weeping dragon with one horn <laughs> at some point in his life? You know, right. Well, like I said, what what I read was that these were based on actual dreams he had. Hmm. So, whether or not he had a, an, a peach orchard, you know, that got cut mm-hmm. down, I, I, I couldn't tell you that. But certainly, these are things that. He's drawing from something mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. personal life, and again, the the idea of the dream that you know dreams rarely make sense in any kind of a narrative structure. So, the way he's kind of able to input these messages throughout kind of this non-narrative film is, I think, the testament to his 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 abilities. Yeah, well, that's that's why we're watching foreign films for a different perspective. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, uh, I have I've, I've always kind of. Not, you know, I don't like them more than non, you know, uh, I think what I'm trying to say is I don't mind reading subtitles. <laughs> I've never had a problem reading subtitles. And there's been this whole thing with Parasite of like, it, even the director, uh, Bong Joon-ho, you know, said something like, if you can get over the, the two inch hurdle of having to read subtitles, you'll see a lot more movies and appreciate yeah. a whole world of, yeah. of movies. And people out there, I, I when you when a movie like Parasite gets so popular, you find out all these people you know are like, yeah, I don't read, I don't read movies, I don't read subtitles, I don't go to movies with in foreign languages, like they just don't, like they don't even consider missing it. out, man. It's like this is being called the best movie of the year. You really aren't going to even bother to check it out because you don't want to read. I never find that. I and, and I don't know. Maybe my brain is just like I'm able to read and enjoy the action on the screen at the same time. Yeah, I, it's I, not I'm a not problem sure. for yeah. me if if it's a movie I really want to see. Now, like just your standard everyday movie, no. If you're uh, just flipping through the channels and you right. yeah, you don't know what it is, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm excited for it and I know there's, you know, something in it that is going to be visually or you know maybe the music's really good, mm-hmm. then sure, uh, I don't mind at all. I don't mind subtitles at all. Guys, see non-English language films. Yeah. Yeah, especially Honestly. especially uh, Parasite. Especially Parasite. Anything by Kurosawa, make sure you see that. These movies are slow. You know, he makes long, slow movies, mm-hmm. but they're they're filled with all this kind of good stuff that that you want to see. If you're into movies, you don't want to miss this stuff. Yeah. So like, stop complaining about too many Marvel movies or <laughs> yeah, you know, remakes right. of of things, and go see uh, a foreign film. Where if it's a remake, you won't know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, you would never know. And it's going to be made in a totally different way than you're probably used to. Right. So just just check them out. Do it. I mean, just even watching this, I th- turned to you and, and made some comment about, in jest, about how weird the music was. Right. You know? But that is their that is the Japanese culture of music, that kabuki theater that, you know, all this. It was, yeah, it felt authentic. All this, sure. art, all this real and long-running artistic expression that, like, you deserve to do yourself a favor and experience it. Yeah, it's whether only you, weird because we haven't really experienced yeah, whether it. whether you quote-unquote get it or not, you know, it's not really the point. The point is to just experience it, see what other yeah. people are doing out there, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's the power of Laserdisc. That's right. <laughs> it opens your eyes to a whole new world of film. I, I'm, Yeah, I'm really glad we got to see this one on the disc. It looked beautiful. Um, sounded uh, great when it sounded great. Yeah, I liked again, that it was uncompressed because it made the 
emotion and the music and everything that was supposed to be really loud was really loud Mm -hmm. and the quiet moments were very quiet um and you know my favorite part actually about watching this on laserdisc is we flipped it over for the fourth (laughs) side of this two disc extravaganza and was we were greeted by the laserdisc turtle we did yeah this was a great one because we got to see our friend the laserdisc turtle Mm -hmm. who lets us know the program material is recorded on the other side folks what's his name does he have a name? Ooh, does he have an official name? I don't like, think so. Can I call him, uh, I don't know, Spinny? Spinny? I was thinking Flippy the Turtle. Flippy the Turtle. Yeah. <laughs> well, poor Flip. little guy's on his back. You know, someone someone help him out. Mm-hmm. He's going to mm-hmm. starve. He's going to just perish yeah. on his back. Poor That's, little turtle. Mm-hmm. No, well, if, if he's... Uh, you know, in the Blade Runner universe, and a replicant happens to come across him, then yes, he's certainly going to perish. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. that's another day. That's a different dream. Yeah, that that's is a different dream. I'm, di- I'm probably going to have dreams about this movie now that I've talked about it so much. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. If I go to the Fox wedding or if I have to watch a mountain blow up, <laughs> I'll let you know which one I go. Please. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, until next time, Charlie. Nick. It's been real. Until the next disc. We'll keep, see you. Keep yeah. on spinning. I love it. <laughs> That program material is recorded on the other side. Flip this podcast for more material. Exactly. Uh, We'll see you guys next time.